Welcome to Redeemer's Church Weekly Message Podcast, where our mission is simple. We are a church that is passionate about loving God and loving people. And now, we hope you enjoy this week's message by Pastor Dwight Bennett. Just so excited for these uh, series of four messages. There's nothing more impacting to the kingdom of God than the families that God brings in to the church. Nothing more impacting than a powerful family who are operating under God's principles, bringing that into the kingdom where the kingdom now can be utilized with that unity of the families. The Bible says in Psalm 133, we read this all the time, but it's how wonderful is it when we hang out and we do things together, when there's uh, just a, a bond that's formed. And when we get to the end of that text of Scripture, it says that because of that bond, that there's a tremendous blessing that God pours out. And that blessing is designed and designated to be for your family. When you're in unity, that blessing that flows together, that peace that comes from that is vitally important. We've got a, a, a lot to share today, but... Uh, I have a prophetic word for you guys, and I'm not going to give it now, but don't leave until uh, after service is over, okay? So I'm not even exactly sure of your names. I know you're connected with these guys. I know Caleb and those guys know you, but uh, God has something awesome to share with you if you'll just give me a couple minutes after service. And so, uh, okay, I'm officially done now chasing all of my rabbits. I will stay focused. This it's just something, my wife is the, the, the focused one, and uh, I love doing these messages with her, and uh, talk about working together in a marriage, hallelujah. It has been an exciting two weeks. We have had our challenges, we're so different in preparation and life, we've had, we've had our little, um, not disagreements, but we've had to learn to give and take some in the preparation, because I am a severe note-taker. He is so, this is it. He'll preach for months on this and one piece this of paper. And this is my girl. So it has I'm been like, a challenge I'm like, baby, if I us. brought that many pages and notes to the pulpit, we would have to preach till at least the first of the year. Hallelujah. <laughs> but it's been so much fun and such a blessing. So we're talking about marriage uh, over these uh, next two weeks, and marriage is so critical. It, it uh, is so vital that we join our hearts together, we build this power. I love the fact that God's given me a dimension that can, uh, and his power put a thousand to flight, but I love that when he joins me together with my girl that we can put 10,000 to flight. There's an exponential power that comes through the bonding, bonding of a marriage together. And, and so many other things as well. We talked last week a heavy dose about communication. And the way that we communicate with our spouse is the way that we either build something special or we tear something down. And so make sure that you look up those scriptures from last week and uh, stay focused on those. Put them on your mirror, whatever you have to do 
to get those deeply ingrained inside of who you are. But the bottom line with the communication is, is do not communicate anything that's going to destroy or take something away from the other person. This is my gift from God. And I want to build and build and build and build and edify my gift because I want to take care of God's daughter. So Tammy, uh, why don't you just begin by reviewing? Uh, we're going to talk about six realms of, of intimacy. intimacy. And Tammy uh, touched on spiritual intimacy. So just review a few of those okay, things. Okay, I just want to start off with the one of spiritual intimacy. I'm going to go quickly through it. But it was spirit, spiritual inti intimacy begins by being in the Word. And when I say that, we as a couple, to have a strong marriage, you need to be in the Word together. But the first and foremost is your personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I have my own, and Dwight has his own. But when we come together, we have spiritual intimacy. And what can cause that is we need to continue to pursue the Lord as a couple, but also personally, individually. Um, one of the best ways is our marriage needs to image God. When people look at us, are they seeing Christ? Or are they not seeing Christ? We need to learn to pray together might be hard at the beginning, it might be embarrassing at the beginning, but you pray together. That will bring unity in a marriage. Serve together. Serve together at outreaches. Serve together at greetings. Serve together teaching the R kids over there. Attend church together. Believe it or not, sometimes it's hard because the one person is tired or they've worked late, they don't want to go, but come to church and attend church together. And then at the end of the day, share God's goodness of what he's done in your life with your partner or with your spouse. You just want to share, you know, God's done something for me. Um, and the best thing is in all of this is it will be a thriving marriage spiritually if you are seeking God personally and together in your marriage. And then this, the second one I want to do, and this is where we're going to start fresh today, is on number two. It's intellectual intimacy. Intellectual intimacy is when you connect with one another by discussing specific topics. So you understand his view and you understand her view. It's not making them understand or making them change their views, but it's understanding their views. You know, um, when we were traveling a couple years ago, quite a few years ago, we were going to Rwanda. I knew nothing about Rwanda. So I said to Dwight, I said, you know, what's the Christian rate over there? What's the, the um, average percent of income? And of course, Dwight said, well, when we get home tonight, let's look it up. And so we together had intellectual conversation researching things that I didn't know and things that we learned together that Dwight didn't even know. So it's going to a different level on intellectual and discussing things. Um, one of the things for us was the biggest challenge of our marriage was discussing how we were going to raise our children. I could tell you that was probably every disagreement every week for us because Dwight was raised from a home no, life. No worries, man. No worries. I was home. I was raised from a home of, of strict discipline. Your word's your word. You're going to do it. Na, na, na. You're going to go forward. And so that brought a real challenge in our marriage. So we had to have intellectual conversation of what do you want it to look like? Didn't always agree with him. 
What do you want it to look like? He didn't always agree with me, but it opened up deeper realms of communication than we had prior to that. You know, um, you can discuss movies you watch. Okay, we've all watched, or most of us have watched the movie Elf. I'm telling you, it's funny. It is funny. And then we've watched the movie Schindler's List, which is a true fact of life that happened in the Holocaust that was really brought us to a deeper revelation and understanding and, and his way he felt and the way that I felt, it takes you to a whole new level. Then, um, let's face it, politics can be a very uncomfortable conversation. But do you know on Tuesday we have a discussion that Dwight and I had that there are three Supreme Court Ohio judges that need to be elect. Have you researched them? Are there biblical views lining up with you? That's an intimate, intellectual conversation that you need to have. But you can do it together. These are things that you can talk about that don't have to be arguments, but you can discuss them to get the view of what your spouse is seeing. Some heart issues, medical issues, DNRs, do not resuscitate, making wills. These can be very uncomfortable conversations. I would say to you, we've already had these with our three daughters. It was hard for them to sit and listen to us discuss what we wanted, but we did it while we were here and healthy. Amen. And these are difficult, but they're intellectual conversations that move you from surface conversations to deep and meaningful conversations. As years go by, I can assume that I know what Dwight's thinking, but his thoughts and views can change over the years that I need to go back and revisit to make sure that he's still thinking that way or not. Those new thoughts can help add into your relationship as you're going deeper in communication. Because you want to know how they're thinking but you don't know why they are thinking the way they're thinking. And if you can understand the way your spouse is thinking, it will um, eliminate a lot of um, arguments within your marriage. Um, we had an example this week. Dwight had gotten a call from our medical health insurance man, and he wanted to discuss our medical insurance for 2023. And I've never sat in on him. I'm just like, I am not into this. You know, you just decide. But he came to me and said, I really think you need to listen to this. So we had a Zoom call. So I went in and sat in the Zoom. I could not believe the stuff that I learned. Had I not done that, I would not have had an intellectual conversation understanding the things that are taking place and the new laws on our new um, change in our finances, um, of what we pay monthly, but it took us to another intellectual level that I did not even know of till I sat in that Zoom meeting. So it's really good to keep that deep, intimate, intellectual communication always open. Okay, this, the next one, do you want to add something? Well, I just wanted to say, you know, we found this insurance guy because Jim turned me on to that. Uh, in breakfasts that we have together, we conversated about real life issues. He said, hey, I got a solution for you. Give this guy a call. Mm -hmm. It's so critical 
that we are in those types of relationships with men in our body because there is a mountain of wisdom inside all of the people in here that it's a shame that you don't draw on it and, and draw it out because uh, we need that wisdom. The next uh, type of intimacy we're going to discuss is recreational intimacy. And I can hear your voice already, recreational intimacy. What in the world does recreational intimacy have to do with the price of eggs in China? Okay, well listen, I'm gonna tell you it has a lot to do with your relationship. When you are not operating in a realm where recreational intimacy is a part of your life, what's happening in your life is the daily grind of the 24 hours a day just beats you down, beats you down, beats you down. And that's why Monday always gets a bad rap. Remember, I talked about Monday getting a bad rap. Monday doesn't have to be a bad day. If you would have taken the time over the weekend to take a walk with your spouse or do something recreational, then you would be refreshed for that time that you have on Monday. Joseph, put up a couple pictures here for me. And I'm going to just say recreational intimacy is a huge part of who Tammy and I are. This is a picture of Tammy and I. We said a couple weeks ago, we have got to get out and see the fall foliage. And life just said, no, we couldn't do that. This appointment kept us from doing that. This uh, thing kept us from doing it. And a couple Tuesdays ago at 2 o'clock, I said, we are out of the church. We're in our car and we're headed down to Hocking Hills. So we took a, a long walk at Old Man's Cave. We heard that there's a new state lodge in Hocking Hills, so we drove over. This is a picture from the balcony of, of the, the new lodge. We ate a pizza. We just chilled out together. It was incredible. What happened from that realm of recreational intimacy was is we began to think and to plan together because we were communicating. We do a time where we take our grandchildren on a, a couple days of a, of a cousin crew together and uh, the older ones and the younger ones and we determined that we're going to start moving them. We have them both in the summer. We got to move one to the winter, one to the summer because it's just too expensive to do them both at the same time and quite frankly, y'all, I'm 60 years old and doing these, these uh, grandkid camps back to back, it takes me two weeks to recover from that. I'm not joking. It does and it's so much fun. So we said, well, we're going to bring the, the young grandkids down here to Hocking Hills. We're going to get a room. We're going to do all the great stuff. We're going to hike. They got great pools. We're going to do our activity. See, recreational intimacy opens up the idea when you're not stuck in the day-to-day -day doldrums, you have the opportunity to talk and to relax and to realize there's more to life than just the grind. Next picture. Uh, that Joseph will put up and I'm just saying this is Tammy and I in Florida with our friends you didn't realize I put this one in here so what hey what is the game Allison that we can't find that everybody borrows and never gives back to us what's what's the name of it code names we are with our friends in Florida at uh, Mark and, and uh, Pam Johnston, Barb and Tom Kerner there, and we're playing Codename together. We played for about three hours, and it was so much fun. We laughed and joked and talked about old stories, and it was super refreshing. The next picture is of us in Florida. We on our vacation, it got cut sh short early because of the hurricane, but uh, the, this is the time that we were sitting by the pool. We got out there. I, sp I scouted out the pool at 7 o'clock. I was out there before the sun comes up putting towels on chairs. 
while Sleeping Beauty got some more rest and and I got it all set up for us and uh, so we just stayed at the pool all day long that day and next picture is of this is uh, Tammy and I doing something we love now in seventh grade when we met together this girl became the st statistician for the baseball team and uh, one of my teachers let us in the study hall, we were together, he let me teach her the nuances of baseball. And uh, he just was like watching us, you know, kind of flaunt over each other. But she learned baseball. And this girl loves baseball. I'm not kidding you, she loves baseball. So we had our older grandkids on their time of when we're all together. We went down and saw the Dodgers and the Reds at Cincinnati, and it was an incredible time together. Recreational intimacy allows you to get away from all of the stuff of life and enjoy each other. You know, this is the number one thing that gets lost in the process of life. You did this a thousand times before you got married. And then when you got married and you started having kids and you got a job promotion and you got a bunch of bills and life just wore you down, what is the thing that always gets left out? It's recreational intimacy. Yeah. And you need that time together to build your life and, and, and remove yourself from all those stresses. We started uh, uh, several years back, we would leave here at the office at four o'clock and when we lived in Reynoldsburg, we'd head to Black Lake Woods and we would take a 40 minute walk together through the back trail and it was just so refreshing. The stress of the day is gone, you know, about halfway through the walk, you know, cause you know me, I can't be six inches away from her without touching her. You know, we get the hand walking and uh, we start talking about deep things in life with each other and those things don't come in the time that you're so exhausted you never get to the deep things so your relationship starts boiling down to just what life beats you up with but recreational intimacy builds those things and the Bible says in Psalm 1722 it says laughter is like a good medicine how many y'all need to laugh a little more huh I'm telling you, Christians are the most uptight people in the whole world. And the Bible says the joy of the Lord is our strength. So how can you have strength and joy if you have no laughter? A merry heart is like a medicine. What would you like to add I to that? I want to say that I know how important it is for you young couples to get date night. It's so important. I know it's hard, and but you need to make make a, a, a point, an intentional point to do that. And I say this because when we would go on a date, my kids would tell me it was time to go on a date because I was a better mommy. Mm -hmm. And I'm serious, you will be a better daddy, you will be a better mommy when you can pull away and spend intimate time with your spouse on a date night. I know it can be expensive, swap babysitting yes. with people within the body. That's how I did it. I couldn't afford it, but I would swap babysitting. You go tonight, I'm going to go another night. But it's, it's possible. When your kids know you need a, a date night, that's not good. So let me encourage you to, to monthly make a date night or every two weeks or every week if you can afford it. And it doesn't have to cost you anything. It can be just walking at the park. It can be going to visit uh, something down at Easton you want to see. But um, it's very important that you have that. There are so many free things to do in Columbus. It's incredible. 
And once again, that will be something you do together. You dig into the freebies and find out what you like to do, and you go do those types of things. But without building some form of recreational intimacy, your relationship gets super stale. The next intimacy I want to talk about could be talked about over multiple weeks, and I don't have multiple weeks, so listen closely. The next intimacy is financial intimacy. And you say, once again, how can that be an intimacy? Well, I don't know how it cannot be an intimacy because it is one of the top reasons why people get divorced is the realm of finances and the things that are askewed by that. Do you realize that out of a thousand couples, one of the uh, studies that we researched said one third of all couples have made a large financial purpose, or purchase without uh, asking the other or bringing them into the picture? One third of the people, what does that show? Well, I'll tell you this, one of the things that finances brings out is your selfishness. And you easily find out how selfish you are if you have your uh, uh, spouse being a stay-at-home mom and you're out working and then you try to discredit what she's doing by saying, look, I earn all the money. And if you, you know, you can't do this because I'm earning all the money. Or you say, I'm going to do this because I earn all the money. Look. Whoa, you're missing the whole point. Didn't we just say that the two shall become one? This, our bank account is ours. We joke all the time. If we'll, we'll be out at Me Mexico and Tammy will say, no, I'll go up and pay. And so I go up and I say, man, this is a big day. My girl's paying for the date today. And she's like, yeah, I'm paying out of the same account that you have. You know, if I go out and say, I'm, I'm paying for the date tonight, it's out of the same account that we have. The two of us have become one in every facet of life. And you will find one of the places that people are not one is in their finances. And this is the area that you must take time to discuss and to plan. This can be one of the most incredible areas of your life that you can ever see. How do you say that? Because when you begin to build financially uh, the things together, you get to see the excitement of, of when you, in your future planning for a situation, you get to feel the discouragement of how you've overspent and you got massive visa debt, and, but together you came to the place to where you determined how you were gonna resolve this. Listen to me. The Bible tells us in Philippians 4.19, it says, everybody say, my God. my God, my God. Okay, we got these scriptures coming up, Joseph. Philippians 4.19, it says, my God shall supply all of my needs. How many? All of them. All, how many? All. all of them. According to what? His riches and glory. Wow, you guys need to, that should be, you know, one you know right off the bat, he will supply all of your needs. The Bible tells us in Proverbs 3, 9, and 10 that we're to honor the Lord with our wealth. And one of the first things we honor him with is what should go back into the kingdom of God. We see that in, you cannot run your finances biblically and push tithing to the side. You can't do it, it doesn't work. The things that God says that he will do come on the behalf of when we step out and trust him. 
You know, there's one place that people have the hardest time trusting God, and it's with this. It's their wallet. You know the scripture that God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. And then when it comes time to honor him and show him you trust him, you look in your wallet and you say, ooh, I don't know if I trust him this week, so uh, maybe next week. No, 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 that's a ploy of the enemy. When, when we give to God, the Bible says that God keeps the devourer out of our storehouse. That, that the things that the enemy tries to rob us of all the time, that God doesn't allow that to happen because we pour our finances into the kingdom of God. Look with me, if you would, at Luke 14, verses 28 through 30. Luke 14, 28 through 40. Or, no, 28 through 30. Luke 14. Okay. It says this, but don't begin until you count the cost. That just let me stop right there. Don't begin until you count the cost. I'm going to give you three words that will change and revolutionize your life and your finances. Budget, budget, budget. I know how to count to three, okay? Three words, budget, budget, budget. It's the same word I'm telling you three times. When you get into the place, don't begin until you count the cost. If you're not aware of all your resources, if you don't know where every dollar in your life is going, I guarantee you you're wasting money that you're not even aware that you're wasting. Budgeting helps to bring us into a place to where we know exactly where our finances are going. Now, if we put God at the top of our budgeting list and, and give at least a 10% tithe, then what should we do next? The next thing we should do is pay yourself. So many people work uh, 60 hours a week, and when it comes time to have anything left for yourself, there's nothing left there because you have not counted the cost, you've not budgeted, and then you're just stretching and trying to run to the end of each week on that paycheck, hoping that you can get there to the next paycheck. That's not God's plan. So the next thing you do is you pay yourself. And, and, and if you're going to tie 10% into the kingdom, you should start by uh, giving 10% of your income to yourself. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, there's a, a savings account. There's long-term savings. There's different things that you want to invest in. Now, let me just say this. If you want to take a vacation next August, you better start saving right now. You need to save right now. And people always tell me, I can't do that. It's like, yes, you can. Put God first, and then watch what he does with the rest of your money. Okay? How many of you get stressed out at Christmas time because when it comes time to buy the things that you want to buy, there's no cash there, and so you automatically turn to Uncle Visa and then put all of your Christmas expenses on a credit card. You don't have to do that. For years, Tammy and I have set $20 to $40 a week aside in a Christmas savings account that just went into our account. So we have over $2,000 that we've saved. Now, if I had to come up with $2,000 right now, I would not want to do that. But since it was $40 a week every week, I'm excited to do that. 
I got 2,000 bucks that I can sow into Christmas and enjoy the process, not get stressed out, not put it on a credit card. And it's all a part, budgeting is a part of don't begin until you count the cost. Now, I counted the cost at 40 bucks a week, and now Kimba put the money into my savings account. I just asked Tammy on the way here. This is gonna be an interesting thing. I said, honey, did Kimba ever put that money in our savings account? And, and what did you say? Why would you know that? How do you know that they put the money in there? Well, tell them, don't tell me. Yeah. Because I looked, I'm sorry. I checked it out. This is my point I'm trying to make. We do the budget together, but Tammy does all of the integral parts of paying the bills and administrating our budget. Why? Because I'm terrible at that. Terrible at administrating a budget. But I can make one because that's where my degree what pursuit was in the realm of finances. So holiday spending, vacations, retirement, those things do not have to be your burdens. Start out with a 10-10-80 plan. Take all of your bills and all of your gross income and, and, and times 0.8 by what you make and that's how much you have to pay your bills. And if your bills are over that, then you're out of balance. And you gotta bring that into balance. If you look at your budget, the 10% plan, if you're not tithing, your finances are out of balance. And I don't have any problem saying this to you because I'm not gonna get a raise in January if you increase your tithing, but you're gonna get a blessing. This isn't about me, stop thinking that. This is about you. And then when you do your 10% plan, 10, 10, 80, you'll do that for the first couple years. And after you mature, you begin to see that both of those 10s go to 15 or go to 16. Your savings goes to 20 because you get into a rhythm and it becomes an amazing thing. And you love getting your paycheck because you're gonna put it into those future things that you have planned to do. Do not begin until you count the cost. Who would begin a construction of a building without first calculating the cost? Let me just say this. We need to budget, we need to plan, and we need to apply the wisdom that we gain through those things. It's not enough to just know that you need to be out of debt. Let me just say this again. It is not enough to just discuss the fact that we have too much debt. You need to make a plan to get out of debt. I mean, yesterday, you need to make this plan. Why? Because we're at 8.2% inflation right now. Do you realize, oh, you all realize, you went to the grocery, you filled up your gas tank, you know that your money is not the same as it used to be. Let me teach you the technical side of that. If you make $5,000 a month and inflation is 8.2%, $410 of your monthly income is washed away because it's going to, because the cost of living has skyrocketed. You say, well, 410 bucks, Pastor, that's not a big deal. Oh, really? Multiply that by 12. That's $4,800 of your income that's being washed away by inflation. You don't realize it, but you're operating your 12-month budget right now on 11 months of money. 11 months of money. 
And if you're in debt, you're adding that inflation rate to your debt rate, and now they, they, they strangle you. And it becomes stressful. Get out of debt. Give to God. Give to yourself. Reduce the amount of money that you spend on whatever it is. I don't know how many of y'all go to Starbucks more than one time a day. Come on. Now, you got to think about that. Where can you eliminate you know, if I buy a Dr. Pepper at the, the grocery store, it is $2.50 now for one of those 20-ounce bottles of Dr. Pepper. But when I buy 24 of them together, they're about 49 cents each. I'm saving $2.10 by just being smart in the way that I do that. You multiply $2.10 times 365, and you've, you've crushed your, your inflation problem. You're starting to reduce that, bringing things into order. So I can't spend any more time on this, but I'm telling you, count the cost. Go I want to say one thing. Just start doing something that you've yes. agreed on together. Yes. You know he's intense about finances. I get it. I get it. But just start doing something. You need to agree together. It has to be unity. So if you're not at the place that the 80, 20, 20, or 20, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10 80. 80, let me encourage you. Just come up with something, agree to it, and do it together. Do 1198 this week. Do 2286 uh, the, the following week. Do something. Do something and do it now. Amen. Amen. Hey, okay. let's all just, let's all stand up just for a second. Hallelujah. Everybody stand. Huh. And somebody just smile. Ooh, that was intense, that little finance just deal. Just look at there. your spouse and Woo! smile. That somebody would be look awesome. Somebody look at your spouse and say, Pastor drank too much Dr. Pepper this morning. Hallelujah. All right. All right you can be seated. Okay. We are going to deal with the fifth one, and we're going to have to go really, really fast on these, but they're so important. The fifth one is emotional um, intimacy, and it can kind of be like intellectual, but it's going to be more emotional on this side. It's sharing your own life experiences with your spouse on what happened that day and how it made you feel. Being able to come home and share with Dwight, saying, oh my gosh, I got this and this done. Oh, it was overwhelming. I got a call from this person. It was just so hard for me. Um, and I think when we do that, I think uh, there was a day I was driving into the office one day, and I just felt this overwhelming love just, just all over me, and it made me begin to weep. Well, I got to the office, because he's usually here before me, and I was able to say, oh my gosh, you're not going to believe this. But it's sharing the emotion that I had. I began to weep, and it touched my heart. Going to that next level of emotionally sharing what you may not want to, but sharing emotionally with your spouse on that. And those are the times that you can go deep, because Dependent upon his questions he asked me, it can take us deeper into conversations. How did that make you feel? Why do you think it made you feel? You're going deeper than just yes and no questions is virtually what I'm all saying. Yes and no, we can all do. But if you ask the hows and the whys, it makes a huge difference in understanding Amen. one another. We all know that God created man and woman absolutely different. No. Okay, I didn't notice this that. is a point that I read out of a book. Men feel most connected when physical intimacy is at its highest. Women, boy, it's quiet. 
Women feel most connected when emotional intimacy is at its highest. That's too diametrically opposite. And so as you begin to understand men and women are different, this might help you understand better your spouse. But on the other hand, women want their husbands to identify with what they're saying. They don't want you to fix it. They don't want you to counsel them how to do it. They want you to just validate what they're saying, that you are interested in what they're saying, not trying to fix it or change it. Um, just validate them. But to get to that level, you have to be very authentic and very honest. And it is hard sometimes because we don't know what our spouse's response is going to be. So we kind of hide behind our emotions and not fully share them. But it's very important that you be honest. If they respond the right way or not, and I know that's hard to hear, I'm going to share with Dwight, if I don't think he's going to like my, my, my comment, I'm still going to share with him. So I want to encourage you to be authentic in communicating with your spouse. Yeah, and I think it's critical that one of the things that you do when your spouse shares something from their heart that is something you don't want to hear, slow down. Just slow down. You know, don't drop your, your chin to your chest. You know, don't let your body language be. Just listen. Slow down and listen. You know, that is the person that you love the most sharing something that is super uh, important to their makeup, their heart, their emotions, their soul, everything about them. And like Tammy said, I don't know if you guys have noticed, but you're a little different than your spouse. Amen? Men and women, we're just a little different. You want to avail yourself to your spouse to share because if you don't share with them or um, open your arms up to listen or to validate them, they will find someone else to do it. Emotional affairs mm. are just as bad as sexual affairs. Exclamation point. And most sexual affairs begin with an intimate, uh, in, emotional. an emotional affair. So I want to encourage you, take that time to just say, okay, if you can't do it, then say, let's talk after the kids go to bed. I want to hear it. It's so important to validate. And I know sometimes he looks at me and goes, I know he's thinking, you got to be kidding me. That's what he's thinking in his mind. Do my eyes say that? But his, he doesn't say that. He really does try to validate what I'm sharing. Is that when I do this? Yeah, that's when I do that to oh, okay. you. All right. I love it. I love it. Listen, the, the idea when we talk about most affairs start emotionally, why is that? Because that's the way women gel. They, when their emotional needs are met, there's something about security that comes into them. So when they're having an innocent lunch uh, with a male counterpart from work and they're sharing the things in life and this male counterpart listens like their husband doesn't listen, they begin to form a bond with that person or vice versa. Listen, it happens all the time because that's an, a, a huge need of women is that emotional side. Now, we're going to talk about physical or sexual intimacy right now, so I'm going to keep this as PG as possible, but if you have a child in the sanctuary right now that you don't want them to hear what's going to be shared, then this is your time to, to uh, remove them. Now, I'm not going to be graphic, so don't get tripped out about that. Now, as a matter of fact, there's a couple scriptures I'm going to give you that I'm not even going to read. 
that you need to read yourself, okay? We good? 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, okay, you're with me. Now, listen, what I want you to realize, Nick and Samantha, that sexual intimacy is a gift from God. Amen. It is a gift. Can I get an amen from all the men? How about the women? Can I get an amen? I mean, how cool is God? He created sexual intimacy. That just tells me how good he is. He's amazing, okay? Now listen, sexual, uh, or, or sexual intimacy is a gift from God as a couple. It's something that when done in the proper way can uh, be amazing. As a matter of fact, sexual intimacy is like nitroglycerin. Listen to me. It can either be used to blow up bridges or it can be used to bring healing to hearts. Depending on what form of nitroglycerin you compact together, it can either blow up a bridge, and my dad took nitro pills all the time for his heart because it opened up his arteries. So a little bit was amazing. Too much can blow up a bridge, okay? Sexual intimacy is something that we, we, de we demand that we talk about in premarital counseling. Because it's amazing where people get their concept of sexual intimacy. Most of it was in teenagers from boys or girls in the locker room or in movies that they watch because still to this day, parents don't talk to their kids about it. Parents! That's your job to teach about sexual intimacy to your children. It can be amazing. It can be a great bond. When both partners feel safe and connected, sexual intimacy is an amazing thing. Contrary to what most people think, sexual intimacy is not a sin. It's one total part of the commitment that we have one to another. When God brings you and unites you with the person that you're going to spend your life with, he is going to connect you in all the areas of your life. Now, I realize some of you are sitting here thinking, we've been married for 30 years, you know, things aren't the way they used to be. Well, then you need to get the fire started again. If things aren't the same way, not exactly the same, but you know, you should never lose your desire for sexual intimacy with your mate. You know, one of the things that the enemy does is he drives a wedge between us sexually because he knows that when there's a wedge and a division in a relationship, in a physical context, that people are going to turn and try to get that need met someone else. Somewhere else. How do I know that? The Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians, he says, when you fast, you abstain from sexual activity for that time. In other words, that you're fasting food, sex, everything to have that commitment with God. But when you are done, consummate your relationship immediately after the time of fasting. Why? Because he says Satan wants to come in and, and drive a wedge between the both of you. You have to realize that, that there is a power in intimacy. We need to understand the differences between male and female, and that's the foundation for developing a healthy and mutually satisfying physical intimacy life. Now, men, we need honor, respect. We need that sexual intimacy. We need to have a, 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 be friends with our wife. We need a home-centered environment. But women, they need security. They need non-sexual touch and affection. 
You know, you can, men, you can reach out and hold your wife's hand without touching her other body parts. Thank you for the three laughters there. <laughs> you know, I, I'm, a physical touch is my relationship. I want to touch my wife. I don't want her to be six inches uh, outside of me. I want her to be right here. But she needs that emotional non-sexual. Go ahead. I was just going to say. <laughs> I feel it. I feel it. Physical touch is my last. Yes. Last it's love the language. Last love language, which I'm going to get a chance, I hope, to share. No. But it is. We are diametrically opposite. His first physical um, intimacy is my uh, last one. Listen, I'm just going to be up front with you. How many of you will give us just five more minutes? You'll just give us five more. Okay, good. We got at least an hour, baby. Because <laughs> they're all giving up five minutes, so we have. So just relax. We're going to do this. This is important, guys. This, this, this is more important behind if we get out and, and beat the people to the buffet, all right? Just relax and a minute. I want to say, interject this. If, if you're in a, 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 this is an area of your marriage that's tough, invite the Lord yes. to come into that yes. extra challenge that you have. You know, we were counseling once and we told a couple, you know what? You need to get on your knees and pray together before you have sexual intimacy. And they looked at us like, are you kidding me? But you know what? God already knows. He knows everything. He's he already knows there. He's exactly. with you. And so I want to encourage you, hold hands, pray together before um, you guys consummate your marriage. Because if it is hard for you, God wants to be a part of it, believe it or not. He loves you. He created this for you. This is the last thing I'm going to say. Uh, well, one of the last things I'm going to say about intimacy. <laughs> Number one, if you want to re-energize your relationship, hold hands and read the Song of Solomon together. Yeah. If yeah. that doesn't do something for you, then, then, you know, call Tammy and I, okay? Read the Song of Solomon, okay? The next thing I want you to do on your own time, and you know this is homework. What great homework. Pastor's asking us to get together as with our spouse. Read Song of Solomon. It could be worse, okay? Read, write this down. Y'all got, got to write this down. Proverbs 5, 18 and 19. I want you to read that. Proverbs 5, 18 and 19. And listen to what the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 13. This is so important. It says this. Give honor to your marriage. And remain faithful to one another in marriage. God will surely judge people who are immoral and those who commit adultery. Now listen to me. 13.4. Okay? That's the NLT. Read it in the New King James. It's even better. Okay? It's even better. It talks about the marriage bed not being defiled. Being undefiled. What does that word undefiled mean? It means not bringing anything in from an outside source that will bring damage to the marriage bed. Now, I'm just going to be quite frank with you here. One of the biggest problems in sexual intimacy today is pornography. Pornography. And you would be blown away by the percentage of men and women. The highest growth in the realm of pornography is with women right now. With women. But when, that's, when you bring a pornographic image into your bed, you are defiling your bed. When you are watching pornography thinking it's going to help your relationship sexually, you are defiling your bed. 
Your bed does not need a third party. Right, right. The only third party you need in your intimacy realm is, is God. And he's there to help you and to bring that. But we, listen, I, I got to be honest, men, if you are dealing with pornography, we need to talk. We really need to talk. Because it's destroying you at the core of who you are, and you're so numb to it that you don't even realize what it's doing to you. And you're destroying your marriage bed. When you watch the unrealistic things in pornography and think that's what's going to transpire in your bedroom, you're crazy. God's got something way better than that garbage for your communion with your wife together you notice we did physical intimacy last why because when all of the other intimacies are in order your sexual intimacy is not like the first firework of the firework display it's the grand finale and if you want to settle for just anything then don't worry about the other realms of intimacy if you want your physical intimacy to be amazing take care of the other realms of intimacy take care of what is important to your spouse go ahead babe okay so those are the the six spiritual intimacy intellectual um intimacy physical uh intimacy financial intimacy emotional intimacy and sexual intimacy these are all important ones that you need to take and remember we are going to transition just a little bit here and we're going to talk about um, intimacy can be created and Dwight and I found a source that really was powerful for us in our marriage so it was a book by uh, Gary Chapman called the five love languages and they have it for teenagers and for children as well, but it really began to help transform our marriage, and I'm gonna quickly go through this. The concept of this book shows couples how to give and how to receive love by one another. To give and to receive love. We all have a love bucket, per se, if you can see a bucket within us. There's a bucket of love, it's either empty or it's full. It might be halfway full, but we all have a bucket that needs to. So if you go, um, and it's to help find out what his love language is and what my love language is and give it one to another. But if um, on the screen, I want to put a website I want you to go to, and it's uh, www.5lovelanguages.com. It's a quiz that you can take. And in this quiz, it's going to have you answer questions and it will return to your email with the results of it now it can change through the years when I first started out I had a lot of healing that needed to take place in my life and so words of affirmation were the key for me I needed I needed that but as God healed me and touched me and I matured and as, as God healed me, I got to a place to realize words of affirmation didn't mean it. What I needed was quality time with him. So it changes from one to another. It can. It may not, but it can. Now, I'm going to give you, and they're going to put them to you in, in order of what your first, second, third, fourth, and fifth is, but you can have two that are the same. 
You might have three that are the same. It's just a, 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 a tool to it's help tool, you understand how my spouse thinks and feels by your responses and what you need and how you can give them his. Um, you'll just have to do it online. It's great. We've done it. So, um, but I'm going to start with the first one. Can I, can I just yeah. say this real quick? There's a book, The Five Love Languages, okay? Now, folks, there's nothing more important to research than your relationship. Yeah. And when I say there's a book, men automatically go, ugh, a book? You know, can it be like, do this have pictures? Can I just look at the pictures? No, no, no. Listen, this is a real book, and you really have to read it. Okay? Get it on CD or iPod. I and don't know so if it comes what on. this book does, it says if your love language is words of affirmation, these are the things that that person needs. These are the things that they don't need. These are the things that hurt them. And you learn about those different people. Now, when, when Tammy and I first got married, you're okay with this. I'm okay. Okay, this is okay. So we were living in our, our marital dorm at OU, and right across the hall was a couple from another nation, and every night they cooked dinner. It stunk so bad that I would take a bottle of Lysol and spray it by their door and around their door, and Tammy's like, I can't believe you're doing that. I can't believe it. It's like, I can't even eat. I can't even smell the food. So one day I'm out there doing that, and I smell something in, in our apartment. And so I went in there, and on the, the, the kitchen were the potatoes that were for the mashed potatoes, and they were burning like crazy. They were burnt. There was the, no water left the, in the pan. I didn't no know water. you had to cover the potatoes. And the pan. And so Tammy came over when I said, oh, baby, there's no water in the pan. What the, you know? And so she, she says this. She goes, I am so stupid. I cannot believe that I didn't put water. And that just tripped my trigger. I didn't care about those potatoes. I didn't care. There was something that she was identifying inside of herself that I, I said, oh, no, 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 no. I said, don't you ever say that about yourself again. You are not stupid. You are smart. You're amazing. You're incredible. And there was a time of these words of affirmation that brought her to a place of healing where she didn't need any of those words of affirmation. Now she could transition to just quality time. Right. Very good. True. True story. <laughs> I, can, I can make mashed potatoes now. <laughs> You're the best, baby. You're the best okay, cook. Okay, the Amazing. number one that of the five. yesterday. Yeah, yeah. Incredible. The one. Okay, we, we're on a Sloppy time. Joe's? Sit yes. down. Oh, <laughs> we we got to go. Okay, five love language. The first one is words of affirmation. Words are important. In Proverbs 18.21, it says, The tongue can bring death or life. Negative words is the devil's language. Mm. And we need to really believe that, that sometimes we don't think they hurt, but they, they do. Do you know for every negative word, Studies say you have to have 10 positive words to erase the one negative word. That's, That's how powerful our words can be. You, we need to praise. We need to express our approval of our spouses because they can heal. Words can bring healing. Also, words can help pull out the full potential that your spouse has that they haven't reached yet. So your words can pull them out because they come to the place of how God sees them. Mm. And Proverbs um, 
12.25 says, Worry weighs a person down, but an encouraging word cheers a person up. It's biblical. It's biblical. We need to be affirming our spouse because it's showing them how special and their, their worth to the kingdom of God, their worth to God in Jesus' name. So, second one is quality time. It's making a point to have meaningful time together with your spouse. It's togetherness with focused attention. And sometimes I know it can be hard to be single-focused. But as you make that point of single-focusedness, it can change and make that spouse feel more important that she has your quality time. It's like a tennis match. When you're in a tennis match, my granddaughter Nia was playing tennis. She has her eye on that ball the whole time. She doesn't take her eye off that, mm. that tennis ball. Good. But it's just like in a marriage. It's back and forth. One shares, one listens. One shares, one listens. It's back and forth. It's not one person hogging all the conversation. It is the time that you are just sharing one another, just like uh, a tennis match. Um, and main- maintain eye contact as well. Number three, receiving gifts is a visual symbol of love. Giving your partner gifts tells them that you're thinking of them. Dwight, the other day, I went and had a pedicure, and I did not see him come and go, but he left a sticky note on my steering wheel with flowers on my seat. That meant I knew he was thinking about me. That's an important thing that we as spouses, it's just not men. Us women can do that too. It's just not his and his alone. We as women can do those things to know that we're... Res- Cute story. So I did. I snuck into the place. I put the note on, put the flowers. Some guy was walking out of another store. He goes, bro, that was, oh, that's good. He goes, brother, that's good. I saw that. He goes, that's amazing. That girl's going to love that. And it was just so fun to see somebody saw that. And, actually- and that's, that's not a normal thing, but knowing he did it, it just, it just was wonderful. I mean, this was months ago. It was just really, it was really good because it showed that he valued my relationship with him is what that did. Um, and I know that people have said to me, there is no way gifts can be a love language. Well, you know what the Bible says in John three sixteen: for God so loved the world that he gave Come on. his only son. You know, and in Acts 2.38, Peter replied, Each of you must repent of your sins, turn to God, and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. God's Mm. all about giving us gifts. We need to emulate the same thing with our spouses. And four is acts of service. Doing helpful things for your spouse that helps relieve stress in their lives. When Dwight helps me, when I'm overwhelmed, when people are coming over, he jumps in, he grabs a vacuum, he grabs the Windex, he grabs whatever it takes to help me because he wants to alleviate the stress that I can be feeling. This morning, perfect (laughs) example, I know I live out in the country, but there was a wolf spider. Now, mind you, you know it was big. I'm legally blind without my glasses on, and I seen it without my glasses on, and I yelped. He's in the bathroom, and I'm like, I'm not getting it. I'm not getting it. You're killing it. He's looking like me. I don't want to get it either. I know. I hate spiders. I hate. 
I don't oh, like spiders and snakes. He tried three times to try to kill that little thing. And he did. He finally got Flush it. Flush carpet. I couldn't. That thing, I squished him into the carpet. He popped up, started running, squished him again. They fought around. The third time, I, I said, give me some toilet paper. So I squeezed him up, and he jumped out of the... Ah! It was big. It I was mean, really gross. But that you was, talk about fight or flight. I was up, man, from that point. That's... But that was an act of service, because mm. I knew I was not going to kill that. Mm -mm -mm. He had to do it. I knew I was going to do it, but he did it. It's like, honey, I need um, these shower curtains hung. Will you hang them? I can't do them. I can't measure them. I'm not tall enough. It was an act of service, and I think we need to be sensitive to that. But when you do active services, it's not that you do it with the heart of get, getting something back from right. them. You do it and just leave it there. Right. Okay. Um, I'm going to, real quick, if, I'm not going to read this because we don't have time. And John... Chapter 13, verses uh, 3 through 17, Jesus took off his, his uh, cloth around him, tied it to his waist, and he washed the disciples' feet. That is an act of service. We need to be like Jesus to remove those things that might be important to you, but he chose to be and do things for me just as Jesus washed his disciples' feet. And the last one, number five, is physical touch. It's being close and caressed by your partner. It's a powerful form of communication from the smallest of touch on the shoulder to a passionate kiss, but it can be a non-sexual touch. And that's what we need to know and remember. In Matthew 8, 3, it says, Jesus reached out and touched him. I am willing, he said, be healed. And instantly, the leprosy disappeared. Our touch is very important. And we need to make sure that we're doing it because each of us are different people and we receive love in different ways. We need to learn how to give love and how to receive love from one another. It will help your marriage get stronger and stronger because if it's going to mirror the image of God, we need to do that. I hope today you guys aren't discouraged Maybe things got said that you're just, something's bugging you in here. We want to pray for you today. But marriage is two servants who sacrifice for each other. That's what Jesus did for us, or we wouldn't be here today. You know, I just want to say that, you know, when you find out what your love language is, you're more prone to try to give that type of love to the other person. If, you know, Tammy does not meet, need me to touch her like I need her to touch me. Yeah, now see, this is huge right here. It's like, I, honey, I can't preach. I know, I, can't I preach. know. Stop. You, you, you wreck me. I love it. That's true, though. That's true. <laughs> so anyway, I can't think that physical touch is going to do a thing for her. And so often, men, were the worst. We want to love our spouse with what we want loved with. And Tammy's love is quality time. And so to load her up in a car and drive somewhere, go see antiques, go to do something, go anywhere with her, in that passenger seat, she doesn't need anything. But when I have my arm on the console, she reaches over and touches me. And now together, we're having quality time, we're having all of our needs met. Would you stand with me? I'm going to ask you to do something right now. And uh, if it's uncomfortable, I, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I'm not trying to make 
you uncomfortable. I'm trying to bring healing. If you're with your spouse right now, I want you to come to the altar right now. And for those of you whose spouse is not here, I'm not going to leave you out either. Okay, so just bear with me. If you're here with your spouse, I want you to come to the altar right now. Hold hands, please. Oh, that was next. Okay, yes. She's a step ahead of me. I want you to hold hands. Okay? I'm I just close want to the you altar. to hold hands together. If you have little children and they come up and envelop you and they're holding on to your legs, I don't care. That's part of the deal. That's, that's real life, right? Right? Okay. Don't worry about it. I'm not worried about it. Okay? Now, if, you're, if your spouse is... Sam, Sam, I want you to come. I know Nick's up here. If your spouse is not here, I want you to come. Go stand by him on the stage. Yeah, just go up and stand next to him up on the stage there. Okay. By the way, they're getting married this Friday. That's why we we picked yes. them. Woohoo! Grant, come out of the booth. We'll let we'll trust these guys can do the cameras. Okay. Okay. As a matter of fact, uh, we're gonna we're gonna stop our live feed right here, Grant. Okay. So God bless you who are watching us right now. If you have any questions. This week or the next week, when we do children and parenting, we want you to send them in to us because we want to answer them. They're extremely important. So if your spouse isn't here with you, I still would like you to come to the front, okay? Listen. Thank you so much for listening to this week's message. We hope you were challenged, encouraged, and inspired as you listened to this teaching from God's Word. For more messages or information about our church, please go to www.redeemers.life.